When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back, listeners, to another Basement Binge episode. This is an exciting one. I'm really looking forward to this episode. But real quickly, before we get into anything about it, I just want to say thank you for the positive response to the monthly update. It was very delayed. I'm sorry it was. Getting myself back into creating episodes for the podcast and also adjusting to the timing of Isaac editing, which I'm extremely grateful for. Thank you again so much, Isaac. I can't say that enough. Yes, so it just master. took a little while to get out. It was like the middle of the month when the update came out. So the beginning, that's going to be a lot better for February. But either way, thank you for the positive response. If you liked it and haven't already, don't forget to leave a review on Podchaser. Helps the show out a ton. So quick intro, the next few films you're going to see, of course, The Kid Who Would Be King was just released, but the next few films are films that I've been wanting to watch for a long time, but I made myself wait for a chance to review on the podcast as my first viewing. Films that have been on my shelf or my watch list, I've had urges constantly to watch, and I've had to deny them to save, to share my first experience on the podcast. These are just some films that I've been finally allowing myself to enjoy before we get back into the binging of the franchises and series that I'm very, very excited about. Coincidentally, they all seem to be animated. Animation is a format of filmmaking that I'm becoming more and more intrigued in. I always loved it, but it's gaining my interest more and more and more. So starting with Fantastic Mr. Fox. What do you mean? That's my trademark. This is going to be an interesting episode. So okay, we'll just start. We'll get into the two cents. The first segment. If you don't know if you're new to the podcast, first, welcome. Second, what you need to know is the two cents is it's two minutes, or it's supposed to be two minutes, of my knee-jerk gut reaction spoiler-free to the film. So just immediately what I think about after viewing it. A lot of that always has to do with kind of my expectations and what those were going into the film, which, of course, because this is a first watch, we'll get into expectations with it are later but it's kind of important when explaining my two cents it's been a film for a long time that sat on my shelf um like i said that's going to be consistent over the next few weeks but it fantastic mr fox specifically has kind of intimidated me for a while forever ago years ago a great friend of mine his name's chase recommend it to me is because actually he he constantly did the trademark from the movie that mr fox does who goes <laughs> and i remember asking him like what is that what what are you doing he's like oh it's from fantastic mr fox because we lived together and he always did it and he just told me he's like you should watch it sometimes the two of us had a very similar sense of humor so i always thought that it's something that i would also enjoy you know and then of course 
as I've gotten more into film culture and learning more about things, I also learned that it was written and directed by Wes Anderson. So I was surprised that he even knew what it was because I didn't know what it was when he told me about it. You know, the Grand Budapest Hotel I saw recently, and it was just a ton of fun. It was my first Wes Anderson film. I've known about him for a while, but you know, the excitement was building around this film, Fantastic Mr. Fox, you know, and then after watching Grand Budapest Hotel, I was talking to a different friend, Spencer, and just to read his text super quick, he said, I think if you expect a little bit less than Grand Budapest Hotel, you'll be happy, but if you like stop motion, I think you'll love both, we were also talking about Isle of Dogs, Um, but he said, Fantastic Mr. Fox is a really weird sense of humor, but I think it's hilarious, so everything he said in that, like, especially when he said, if you like stop motion, I think you'll love it, which I thought true as well, you know, I realized, okay, it's something that Chase recommended to me years ago, it has positive reviews, people seem to love it, it's directed by Wes Anderson, I'm gaining a huge interest in Wes Anderson, and it's stop motion animation, which especially like the last few two months or so, I've developed like a huge fascination with. So it was just constantly building to be this huge, like like a recipe for everything that I wanted. So for years now, it's sat on my, sh- it's been on my radar, waiting to be watched. I've, I've been wanting to, and then I even bought the combo pack with Isle of Dogs because of how much trust I had in it and how much I really thought I would like it. So then it sat on my shelf for a few months now, and waiting and waiting and waiting. But the more it waited, and the more I thought about all of these things that were building it up to be so perfect, the more intimidated I got by it. Is it really this good or is it not going to live up? You know, almost in the same way that I'm intimidated, like Schindler's List or The Godfather. Both films I haven't seen, but just the way that people talk about them, I'm intimidated by them <laughs> because of all the things that people say about them, if that makes any sense. So Fantastic Man Fox was one that was intimidating me. So yesterday... I was ready for it to be a part of the Basin Binge. Not yesterday. I'd planned this beforehand. But yesterday was finally time. After I'd made the decision, it's I'm going to watch it. No, I'm intimidated, but I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it for the Basin Binge. And I was excited. So I watched it yesterday, and it ended. <gasps> and I had no idea what to think. Like, it, it's not that I, I didn't like it, but it's also that I didn't like it, if that makes sense. It wasn't a dislike, but it wasn't a like either. It just was very unsettling. And I didn't know what to think about I was like that that was so weird and it was so fun and really touching but it was weird and like what is going on and the weird thing is as soon as I watched it I immediately wanted to rewatch it now that I'd experienced it kind of become acclimated to it I was ready for more I just felt a little bit unsettled you know and since watching it of course and preparing this episode I've done a lot of research doing writing watching behind the scenes thinking on it for an entire day like I do, and I've come to a conclusion about it, and it, it's firmly landed in the territory where I really, really like it, speedily approaching the status of loving it, um, but just in case, I asked my friend Chase, who originally recommended it to me, and I said, what do you think, like, why is it that you love Fantastic Mr. Fox, and he replied to me, I'm just gonna read directly what he said, I said, I, I like the movie because it's so different, the words they use are strange, the animation is off-putting but intriguing, George Clooney is the perfect voice for Mr. Fox, and every time they say cuss, it's funny. The domestication and wild is strangely combined, like how he says, I just don't want to feel poor anymore, then eats his waffles like a monster, then says they were su- superb or something like that. The rat is funny, and gosh, everything, every line is just strange and hilarious. And that's a very, very accurate description of it. Uh, so thank you, Chase. Yeah, I have no idea that I'm plagiarizing your words, but I am, so thanks. And it was interesting because even after seeing the film, I, I hadn't read that text because he hadn't texted to me, obviously, but 
all those things I could pick out and say, you know, I like these things about it. But as a whole, I just, I was unsettled. I really didn't know what I thought. So it was a very, very interesting thing to watch it. But it's something that it does have going for it. That as soon as I finished it, I wanted to watch it again. It drew me in so quickly. And there were so many things that I did like about it, although unsettled, that I just immediately wanted to experience it again because I knew how much I was going to like it a second time. Because this two cents is really quickly turning into a three cents because of how long it is, I've summarized my final thoughts. If I was sending someone a text about why I liked Fantastic Mr. Fox, so here you go. <clears throat> Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of a kind, a stop-motion animated film written and directed by Wes Anderson based on the book by Raul Dahl, mispronounced his name. It's wacky, whimsical, and wild, and a whole bunch of fun. It has a great cast, some incredible animation, a unique but hilarious sense of humor, and a very genuine and heartwarming message about accepting yourself as fantastic. It's fun, and I can't wait to watch it again. So, yeah, it was just released on Disney+. Plus. Go watch it and have a bunch of fun. Just know what you're getting into. That's the end of the two cents. Very quick, spoiler-free reaction. So if you haven't seen the film, before you go, quick announcements. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. And don't forget that after you watch Fantastic Me and Fox, which you should come back and listen to the rest of the episode and when you do finish listening to this episode leave a review on Podchaser. or even if you haven't seen mr fox and you want a chance to be able to watch it for free leave a review on Podchaser. if you haven't listened to the monthly update just quick announcement every month i wanted to give back to you guys as listeners but i also need your help and Podchaser is a great way that you guys can help me completely for free Podchaser, someone once compared it to the imdb of podcasts so it's a place where you can find things out about podcasts you can see not just for the basement binge but tons of podcasts the creators behind it the people involved in the podcast you can see other people's ratings of it you can create your own list of podcasts you can create a bookmark of podcasts that then gives you a custom rss feed that you can save in your podcast app and any podcast episode you bookmark will end up in that i use that all the time i mean just go explore all the features podchaser has but what i'm asking you to do on podchaser is very very simple if you could go and leave a review for the podcast and also for each individual episode. That's one great thing about Podchaser is that you can leave reviews on each episode. And for every review that you leave during the month, you'll be entered into a drawing to win a screen pass to be announced on the coming uh, monthly update. So screen pass is just something free that Movies Anywhere has where any movie in my collection that's eligible... I can give someone a chance to watch. It's fantastic for Mr. Fox. Happens to be one of those movies. So please, please, if you want to help the show and you want a chance to win a screen pass every month, leave reviews on the episodes and the podcast. And of course, that's another great thing. I can reply to them. So it's a great way that we can talk about the podcast. That's a quick announcement. Other announcement, very, very short. Go subscribe to Matt Goes to the Movies wherever you're currently listening to this podcast. He's a good friend of mine that we've connected through podcasting. He's been on the show a bunch. I've been on his show a bunch. And we're doing WandaVision together. I don't have time to do it here on my show, but if one of vision is something you're enjoying or if it's something you're not enjoying, if you're watching it, you need to be subscribed to Matt Goes to the Movies. Every week, we're putting out episodes, me, Matt, and Rob. It's a ton of fun. We've all become good friends as we did The Mandalorian and other episodes together, and it's crazy. They live in New York. I live in Utah, and we're still great friends, and it's just awesome, that relationship that we've been able to build. So go listen to WandaVision on Matt Goes to the Movies. Tons of fun. Those are all the announcements. So spoilers are coming in the next few segments you know they're, they're not going to be super spoilery but they are coming a little bit let's just move on to the next segment here pick your poison here at the basement binge this is the rating scale which is all about how we interact with the film after seeing it for the first time bottom ranking worst 
option you can give it. Very self-explanatory. Never watch it again. Above that is to stream it. If it was on a streaming service you were already subscribed to, there was a void of entertainment you were trying to fill, and it just happened to be there, you'd watch it. Above that is rent. You'd be willing to pay a few bucks from time to time to watch it once. Top of the list is buy it. Own it. Watch it as many times as you want, whenever you want, however you want. This film, very easily, even with the interesting reaction I had to it, and because of the reaction I had to it, is definitely a buy because I immediately wanted to watch it again after I finished it. And I know that I will. I know that I'm going to watch it again forever. I know it's something that I'm going to really, really enjoy and just soak up. One of those ones is just going to become like a canon of movies that I love and constantly watch. Easy decision there. So, moving on to the next segment. Live Up. This here is a unique segment that's only on episodes about a movie that I've never seen before the podcast. I already kind of did this in my two cents, but just explaining my expectations going into the film and whether or not it lived up. Like I mentioned, I was a little apprehensive watching this just because of how much it had to live up to. There were so many things that were building up my expectations of what this was going to be. And I was unsettled, and that unsettling feeling after finishing it caused me to be a little disappointed. Not disappointed because it was bad, but disappointed because it just wasn't as good as I imagined. Like, I was just imagining having my, just blown away, having my socks blown off. But the longer it sat in my mind, the more I, I thought about it, the more I loved it. And I realized not only is it as good as I thought, but even better. Even now, as I'm recording this episode, I just keep thinking of moments in the film or just the humor in the film that I really love and I just I want to experience it again. And I was, t- something funny, side note, not in the script, you know, I'm just, I don't know why I'm th- saying this, but I was telling my wife about the things I need to do and I was like, oh yeah, for the podcast, I need to watch the movie again. And she was like, well, don't you need to record it tonight? Because she knows my schedule. I was like, well, I need to watch it again. I think I need to watch it to better experience it, to have a more quality podcast. And she's like, well, with how busy you are, I think you need to decide if it's a want or a need. And it kind of shut me down because I realized it was just a want and I just wanted to experience again. I was trying to like justify and fit it into my busy schedule. So thank goodness for good spouses who keep us on track. But yeah, so did it live up? At first, definitely not. It was very unsettling and confusing, but I think that was just my own experience going into it. Having let it settle for, you know, just 24 hours, I already love it. It has exceeded those expectations completely. On to the next segment, binge points. So these are just fun Easter eggs, things to point out about the film or about the making of the film that make it interesting. That was a lot of making. First binge point, very funny one, is there is a shop near the end of the film in the third act that's caught on fire, and it's called Harrison Travel. That's my name, Harrison. I just thought that was awesome. My name's in the movie in the most insignificant way possible. Made me happy. Other things, there are multiple long tracking shots in a stop-motion film. Stop-motion tracking shots. There's one at the beginning when the young Mr. Fox and Mrs. Fox steal the chickens. It took me a second to register what was going on, and then once I did, I was just, retroactively, my mind was blown because of what I realized just happened, that this was a continuous tracking shot in stop-motion, and thinking about the amount of work that would go into setting up that set long enough to have the camera track along, but also all the work in animating each one of those things and how would it have to stay in frame for so long? Oh my gosh, the amount of work that goes into those tracking shots, I'm just so impressed with. It's amazing. The other thing that I just love 
because of the process of stop motion is that the fur is like constantly moving and being adjusted. It adds something fun and emotive to the characters, very unique to the process of stop motion that is making me fall in love with this format even more. And I, I love that Wes Anderson is someone who's involved in it because his meticulousness, his insane attention to detail makes this stop motion format even more exciting. And I hope that it doesn't die. And I wish that I would have been involved in more because I would have gone to see Missing Link. That's coming soon. But it's a format, especially among animation, that isn't doing too well. And I hope it doesn't go away because I find it fascinating and tons of fun. Other things about the film Whackbat is a game that was made up by Wes Anderson with rules for the film. And I really want to figure out how to play it, and I want to play it. Looks like a ton of fun. This film is just full of all the Wes Anderson-ness that you're used to, and that's a ton of fun. Like I mentioned already, the insane levels of detail and the attention to that detail. Things happening in the background constantly that someone had to make by hand miniaturely or animate by hand that you probably didn't even notice but is just there to make it so much more real is amazing. There's unique writing with almost no formalities or emotional subtext. The speaking is so direct and full of honest emotions, but said with no emotion. So when the character of Ash says things with ambiguity and passive meaning, it's so different because the writing is so unique and it creates very funny, perfect line delivery from the actors. And the voice cast in this is phenomenal. It's just tons of fun. Very fitting for a Wes Anderson film. There's great music. There's quirky characters doing quirky things. There's a constant, overwhelming amount of center frame composition that is used so effectively. It's so much fun. This symmetry and just constant bombardment of center frame focal points is something that I love. When I was in school before I dropped out, sadly, I took film class. It was before you matriculate into the major it was called Introduction to the Film, and we talked about all the different components of making a film, and you know, each week we would focus on something. So one week was directing, one week was acting, blah, 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 blah. One week was cinematography, and so we would have multiple classes throughout the week, and the f- class at the beginning of the week would be taught by the professor. The rest of the classes throughout the week would be taught by different TAs to the professor that would focus more on the things that the professor talked about, obviously. So during the week of cinematography, there was one of the classes during the week that was all about composition. And that TA must have just been obsessed with Wes Anderson at the time because all we talked about was Wes Anderson. So many clips, and I understand why now. And at first I was like, okay, this is weird. Like, what's this, like, two-by-three aspect ratio? Because we watched a lot of clips from Grand Budapest, Budapest Hotel, especially the end and the sled scene. And I was like, what is going on? Because it's hard to appreciate those things without understanding everything else. I definitely understand now, and I think it's a ton of fun. And I appreciate that lesson that that TA was teaching way more now. And then lastly, this is just something that I've grown to love the more I experience and learn about Wes Anderson films, is the cast members and the actors that choose to work with him. You know, Owen Wilson, Bill Murray, they're here, and they're doing great. And George Clooney is a great addition to that ensemble that has become a part of the Wes Anderson canon. So yeah, those are kind of all the things that I noticed for Bench Points. But another segment that I want to start adding in Bench Points more and more is about the making of, the behind-the-scenes things. These extras that come with Blu-rays when you buy them, I'm digging into and enjoying more and more, and I wish I could go back in time and watch all the extras of every movie I've watched in my life because the more you learn about something especially learning about the amount of work and care that goes into something, it's harder to not like and easier to appreciate. 
you know, even if you don't like the film, you can appreciate the work that went into it. That statement doesn't just apply to films. The more you learn about something and the amount of care and work that goes into it, the easier it is to appreciate. And the amount of work and care that went into creating this film is just amazing, particularly with it being a stop-motion film. So let me just quickly walk you through the process of all the things that it took to make this film. Like I said, this this film is based off a book by Roald Dahl. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name. I had no idea who he was, but as soon as I looked him up, I was surprised. He's written books like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, The Big Friendly Giant, Witches, and James and the Giant Peach, in addition to Fantastic Mr. Fox, and a bunch of others. Well, Fantastic Mr. Fox was one of the books, or the first book, that Wes Anderson owned. His father gave it to him, and he read it many times, and he loved it fell in love with it at a young age. So then he decided to, to adapt it, got the rights to it, blah, 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 blah. But he started to write it and actually went to the home of the author, who's now passed away, and stayed with his wife while working on the screenplay. He wanted to get the feel of that type of English country that the author lived in and how that would influence Fantastic Mr. Fox. He took pictures of all the furniture and decor in the house and those pictures were actually used to create miniatures for the animating of the film which is tons of fun. Specifically, Mr. Fox's office, where he records, where he tells Kylie about his plan, pretty much a replica of where Dahl would write, which I think is really, really cool. So after the writing's completed and the script's completed, they go on to create storyboards. And with stop motion and animating those, pretty much the entire film, not pretty much, the entire film has to be drawn out for these animators to be able to reference the movement and what it's going to be like. Then you get a voice recording with all the casts, and it was done in a very unique way. They went on location to a farm instead of recording in like a sound booth or a studio. They went on a farms and in different locations so that they could get the ambient noises and natural sounds and echo and reverberation and all the things that that location would cause sound to be unique. And it also allowed the actors to be together and to act with each other and be able to re- react and breathe and interrupt each other instead of you know, being on their own in a sound booth. You can tell it. There was a lot of things when I was watching the film, I was like, wow, they did a lot to manipulate the sound to really make it sound like they're in a tunnel. And it's because they were in an echoey area like a tunnel. And it it pays off. And I think it's really amazing. So anyway, they do all this voice work. Then that storyboard and the voice acting are edited together for the animators to have a reference to because they're animating also to the voice acting in addition to the movement of the puppets. So before they begin to animate, All these animators are making sets and molds and puppets and decor and miniatures and multiple versions of everything. There's different sizes and outfits and faces for this animation. The animators then get on set to animate and manipulate these puppets. They ended up building 120 sets and had 20, at one time, had 29 animation units working at once to be able to create this. I think it was two years of animation that they were doing. It, it takes forever to do stop motion. So if you don't know what stop motion is, it's probably something you did as a kid and when you were younger, if you're my age, where you took your toys and you took pictures of them, but you moved them in between each picture. So when you put the pictures in a slideshow fast enough to each other, it looks like they're moving, you know, or like a flip book, same type of thing where they set up the puppets that they can articulate and they're adjusted to be perfectly posed. They take a picture and then move them and take another picture And that, so every time you see anything move in the movie, it's a physical object being manipulated and then having a picture taken of it and then being manipulated and having a picture taken of it. And one 18-second shot took one animator about 10 days to make. 
It's amazing. They're using cutouts of soap to beat the fire. There's wool for the smoke. There's cellophane for the water. And then, of course, there's all the puppets. And there's all the things in the environment. And it's just amazing all the work that went into it, especially with Wes Anderson directing because he was so focused on the tiniest detail right on the edge of the frame that you probably don't even notice. It was amazing because a perfectionist that he is, he was able to have total control over everything because everything was being animated and made instead of just using, you know, what a set dresser already had. You know, he got to decide what the set looked like because he would tell the animators what to make. And it's really funny, the production designer in one of the behind the scenes said that Wes, in addition to being a director, is really a designer. And this is word for word what he said. He said, he has a lot of ideas that are not very stop frame friendly. And you can tell. I already mentioned the tracking shots, but there's so many things. There's one scene where, I don't even remember who it was. It was so insignificant. But somebody was in the background, like, checking things off. It was like a secretary or something. While the characters in the foreground were doing the thing. That background character is not necessary. But someone had to animate them to be in the background. It's just amazing. It's also cool to watch the behind-the-scenes things and kind of, at least from what the interviews are saying, how the animators had to also acclimate to Wes Anderson's direction and the level of detail and work that he wanted because of the ideas that weren't friendly and weren't normal for stop motion. This this is Wes Anderson's first animated film, his first stop motion animated film. Uh, he's he's since done Isle of Dogs, which came out in 2018 or 19, if I remember, and then also used it in some of his newer films like Grand Budapest Hotel he combines live action with stop motion animation and you can tell he really cares about it but he really challenged the animators and it's from what the interviews say it's cool to see how they began to enjoy that challenge lots of cool things about this film and the work that went into making it on top of it just being a ton of fun so moving right along keeping this podcast quick onto lease and likes at first, I was going to say that I didn't have a single least. So quickly, what least and likes are just least favorite scene, favorite scene, or moment, or whatever. And at first, I was going to say I genuinely don't have any dislikes. You know, the entire film, there's something going on that I enjoy. But I remembered last minute, right before recording, this one moment that I don't like. And it's actually the same moment that I do like. My favorite moment is the moment with a waterfall. First off, because I'm blown away by that being animated. Second... I mean, it's just beautiful, and it's touching, and it's it's emotion, and that's one of the core moments of the film, but also everything that happens after that, it's like the best third act ever. So much fun. Every moment after that is just my favorite. The entire thing, is, it, was, it was lots of fun. But the moment that I dislike is also part of that, where Mrs. Fox is talking to Mr. Fox, and she says that she shouldn't have married him. I understand the honesty, and I appreciate the conversation they were having, and the honesty he had with her, but saying that he, she shouldn't have married him just was, like, shocking. And I also didn't get how it added to either of their characters. I thought it was a very weird line. For so many lines to come literally off the page of a book, I, it was weird to have that one that just didn't work. And maybe watching it again will help me understand it. But for now, I like, if that was taken out, there would not be a single flaw in this, this movie. So, yeah, very simple. Least and likes right there. Moving on to the last segment, Fall In. And I gotta say, up front, this is a difficult follow-in for me to have. It's gonna be very brief. But Jason Schwartzman, I think that's how you say his name, who 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 is the voice actor for Ash, said it best in one of the extras, the bonus features I was watching. He says, everyone is fantastic. You just have to realize that you are. 
Ash goes through that experience as a teenager. Mr. Fox, the reason that the story and the conflict in the story is happening is because he's going through that as an adult, a midlife crisis. You know, Ash wants the approval of his parents, specifically his dad. And he thinks to do that, that he has to be some athlete, that he needs to be better than his cousin Christopherson. And it isn't until he accepts himself for who he is, mainly not Christopherson, that he's finally able to be the athlete that he wants. But even more than that, there's a great moments of acceptance from his dad that inspires that. But whether he became an athlete or not, it's great because he accepts himself as not Christopherson and as Ash. And there's both sides to that, accepting what you're not and accepting what you are. And that's a journey that both Ash and Mr. Fox have to go on in totally different ways. You know, Mr. Fox, in his experience, is more existential, you know, what he is and isn't, and Ash's is more comparative and who he is or isn't. And it's interesting how those are journeys that I think everybody goes through at some point in their life, if not multiple times. And it's just funny to see that type of story adapted in the most whimsical, wacky, stop-motion Fox way. And it's fun. And I'm, I'm grateful that it's there. Um, so Mr. Fox, on the other hand, he is under the idea that he needs some type of status or sense of achievement to be fantastic, to be happy. Uh, I think there's more of a fear that he's just going to be some wild animal that's not fantastic, but eventually accepts the reality that he's somewhere in between, just like all of us. So it's a simple yet effective message about accepting yourselves and your circumstances, not being complacent but in a positive way. You know, Mr. Fox learns to abandon some weird idea of what being fantastic is to enjoy those he's around. That's definitely a healthy amount of acceptance in the right ways, not just like accepting your your faults and giving up on any type of improvement, but accepting those things that you can control and the things that, that don't need to be controlled. So I'm sure I'd have a lot more to say on a second watch, which you can definitely expect is going to happen. If you're interested in what I have to say about that, follow me on Letterboxd, which is, of course, linked in the show notes, or definitely subscribe to The Basement Binge and wait for a re-review, which is a new thing that I'm going to be trying this later this year, which is super exciting. But because of how much of an acclamation this, this film requires, because of all the other things that I was enjoying and soaking up, I'm really just stretching out small pieces of the film that I caught that I really, really enjoyed and was touched by and impressed by how much of a message was there. But I'm stretching those small moments into something bigger that I, I really trust is there. You know, it's it's different to the Grand Budapest Hotel, which I love because it's just it's just the weirdest thing ever. And the weirdness is what it is. What's weird is that I had heard that this film was a heist film with George Clooney you know, assembling his team, and they were kind of making about how it's another Oceans film. And so the heist against the three farmers at the beginning, I thought was like the entire film. I also knew that it was a short film. So when that happened, I was like, oh, it's coming to the end. I guess my perception of time was horrible. Because as each thing went on and on, and the story dragged on, I was just continually impressed by how much was happening and how fun it was. So as I was going on this journey of seeing everything unfold, I was continually reminded of the Grand Budapest Hotel, but also impressed how there were continual, those small moments that I can remember clearly thinking, wow, there's a lot of heart and a big message in this, including, in addition to all the wackiness that is a Wes Anderson film. And so I'm excited for a rewatch of this and what I'm going to be able to draw out of it, in addition to all the fun I'm going to have. So let me just close this out with a quick thought. I'm amazed because never before has a film made me want to rewatch it so quickly. 
I honestly could have just pressed play as soon as I finished it. It, it took some acclimation and some time to think about it, but I know for sure this is something that I'm going to love for the rest of my life. I can't wait to come back to it very, very soon. And thank you all for listening to The Basement Binge. I appreciate you being subscribed to the show, downloading the episodes, reviewing the show, sharing the show, all those things. It helps me out a ton. And it's also just fun to know that there's other people enjoying something that I enjoy and enjoying something that I create and have a lot of passion and excitement in creating. It's it's interesting how The Basement Binge and just podcasting in general has developed into this big passion of mine that I didn't know that I had and the level of fulfillment that I get in creating and sharing something is a lot of fun and i just wish i could enjoy more and more of your reaction to it so if you want to do you know reach out in all the ways that you can but especially leave a review on Podchaser. i can reply to them it's lots of fun and on top of that it helps out the show a ton and you'll be entering a chance to win a free screen pass every month and fantastic mr fox is one of the films that you can get a screen pass for so that's tons of fun so yeah, leave a review on Podchaser. It helps out a ton. Also, check out Matt Goes to the Movies, where every week we're doing an episode on WandaVision. That's been a ton of fun. I'm already looking forward to the next one. I already mentioned subscribe to the show. I'm Harrison, host of The Basement Binge. That's all for now. Ciao, ciao. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.